Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com/upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at onepeloton.com. You're listening to Footy Prime News and Such, your one-stop destination for footy news and such. Footy Prime, your almost daily footy fix. Yep, it is Footy Prime the podcast. This uh, this Good Friday, let's make it a great Friday for you. We have men of God on the show today. With Craig Forrest, man of God, Jimmy Brennan, man of God, Brennan Dunlop, man of God, and I'm James Sharman. Not a man of God. Hey, hey, boys, how you doing? How's this Good Friday treating you? <laughs> Pretty good so far. Yeah, 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 really good. I didn't even know it was a holiday. It was awesome. I know. There's two of them, right? There's a Friday and Monday's a holiday as well. What the hell's that about? I got my kid home for two extra days. I don't want that. I actually forgot. I thought I was taking my kids to school this morning. Started packing lunches. Yeah, it's tough, right? Jeez. You know, I woke up this morning and the news was that Sean Dyche has been fired. We're going to get into that later in today's show. But it's Friday. Often we go a real Canadian theme on Fridays. And the big news for, for West Coast football, for Canadian football, earlier this week, the CPL announced its latest expansion side from the Vancouver area will play in Langley, BC in their debut season next season. So we are joined by... Former Canadian international, a big part of this ownership group, Rob Friend. Rob, welcome to Footy Prime. Your first time with these idiots. Ooh. Welcome. It is. Never heard of it, actually. So glad I, uh, glad I could be on it. What the fuck? <laughs> That's a bad start, Rob. That's a really I'm bad kidding. start. I'm kidding, actually. No, you guys are legit. You guys are <laughs> <laughs> he's not joking. He's not joking. He's never heard of it. And that'll, that'll be Rob Friend. Thanks, Rob, for joining yeah, us. Yeah, appreciate that. Great chat, Sean Dice. Well, we're bantering for ten minutes. We got to keep it going. All right. Okay. <laughs> no, th- no, thanks for having me. C- congratulations. As this all begins to take shape, um, now Six Five Sports Entertainment will own the club, but it already owns Pacific FC. Can you explain to us how this ownership structure is going to work exactly? Yeah, no, that's that's sort of the million dollar question we've been we've been asked. Um, <clears throat> yeah, our, our group we started off with uh, myself, Josh, Dean, three of us. Uh, originally, actually, we uh, Dean and I were trying to get the team in Vancouver. I brought Justin in early days. He had another partner looking to get a, a the team going on on Vancouver Island. Long story short, we couldn't get a stadium done uh, in Vancouver. Josh is one of my best mates, and I said, you know what, why don't we just sort of join forces and start the team in Vancouver Island? So, uh, yeah, three and a half years later, Pacific FC won the uh, CPL Championship last last season, which we're very proud of. And uh, <clears throat> and so as the league progressed, obviously, uh, you know, two years of, of a pandemic wasn't easy. 
but we, we and myself is, you know, bullish on the, on the Canadian market, on the Canadian league, obviously what's happening with the national team, um, seeing where this league's going, we're very bullish. And, and, uh, we, we always have sort of an, another opportunity to take a stab at Vancouver. So we started, started having conversations with different municipalities there and, and, um, happened actually pretty quickly where we had Ashley Langley, uh, it was about last year where they confirmed that they'll build us a stadium, which, which obviously you need the venue. And uh, so we went to the league and we said, hey, you know, we, uh, we want another club. We're going to structure the, the investment fund, which is Six Sports and Entertainment, um, into more of an investment fund versus just a single ownership. And so we, we, we structured the, the ownership where Pacific moved into the fund. We acquired Vancouver and, and put that into the fund. We're having sort of this, the way it's structured is, is uh, separate operations. Um, you know, obviously we all sort of own it, but we've brought in different, uh, different investors from, from around the world. And uh, so that's sort of how, how 6.5 came, came about, 6.5 Investment Fund. And uh, so owns, yeah, owns Pacific, owns Vancouver. I will now be essentially stepping down from Pacific and, and diving into Vancouver and, and running that club. And Josh's will be staying sort of the face and president of uh, Pacific. Is that kind of a reason, Rob, just to sort of stay away from any conflicts of interest? Yeah, exactly. I mean, I mean, you guys know. I mean, the, the, the MLS started with with many of the, the owners owning multiple clubs. You know, I think that's reality. These startup leagues, and uh, you know, we we're obviously experienced now. We we understand the league. We're committed, uh, committed to this league, committed to investing in Canadian football, and I think that's that's the story. And and it's not like we've got you know a. a you know, hundred different investors waiting to invest in the Canadian Premier League. Yes, there are multiple investors looking, um, having conversations. Obviously, you guys know the markets, um, <clears throat> but no, it's about investing in the Canadian game and helping it grow. And Vancouver's my hometown, and and I do truly believe there's a huge opportunity in Vancouver um, to for another football club. I think you can differentiate yourself there. Um, you know, so I, I, I'm excited about the Vancouver market. I've always been bullish on that market done right um so yeah that's kind of how we're going to structure it and uh but really i think really the overall story is just continuing to invest in the game here in this country you know you played uh for years your passion is obviously football um did a, had a great career nationally internationally and playing a uh, club football um how was that transition for you from that to sort of being in the management side of things and, and owning how did you find that well, I think I would always say I was always a bit of an entrepreneur at heart. I love the game, but you know, when, when I was playing, I was reading business books, I was investing in business. Uh, you know, I've got a, I've got a degree in economics. So there's definitely a bit of a business background I've always had. Um, obviously when you're playing, it's not like you, you have a ton of business experience, but I think it's a bit of intuition, football intuition, bringing to a football club, watching, you know, as a player, negotiating your own contract, understanding that side of the game. Um, having conversations with with whether that's throughout my career owners, just sort of just watching clubs, how they run, have an opinion on it. And I'm sure, you know, Jimmy and his experience as well can speak to that and and translating that on the other side. And um, I think that's a huge advantage as a player and, and you know, playing around the world, different cultures, um, what, a, what a football club is and how it should be run. So I think it was a bit more, it was a bit natural. Uh, again, you know, I've, I, I started multiple businesses after my career. So um, I definitely, I definitely have a business background for the four or five years post-career. Um, but it was more of an intuition sort of natural tradition where, you know, I, 
I've seen it. Um, obviously, there was a learning curve. Uh, certainly, I, I certainly tell you this this next round with this this club in Vancouver is going to be I'm not going to say it's easier, but it's going to be a lot different because uh, obviously with the start of Pacific and the league, we learned a lot. And uh, so I'm excited to take a second stab at it. I know you haven't chosen a name yet, Rob, but I think the name has chosen you because everyone's referring to it as Vancouver 2023. You played at uh, 1860 Munich. I think that's the name right there. We need more numbers in Canadian football. <laughs> Any ideas? No, honestly, we're. Uh, it, it's funny because we're in Langley, and, and if you guys know Vancouver, um, it's a bit of the suburbs, but it's actually the, one of the fastest growing areas of of the Lower Mainland. And, and Vancouver's just becoming this this just massive Greater Vancouver versus sort of these these micro communities. Um, so it's it's a tough one. What to name it? Um, I want to think globally a little bit as well. I think you have an opportunity to name a name it more of a global brand versus versus just a, a singular community um but you know i'm sure i'm sure fans will will be upset or some some will be happy you can't please everyone so i'll be uh yeah we're ready for that one footy prime is available well they had uh uh the fort you know they got a, a long history there in langley fort langley yeah yeah but but it, i don't know i, I like 2023 just run with that, huh? 2023 football club, huh? Vancouver. Oh, just Vancouver, 2023. Langley, 2023. You know, whatever. just like 1860 Munich sounds so great, right? It works so good. Obviously, it's been around for <laughs> a long time, but why not? 160 years. It, kind of, it works well, though, right? You got to start. <laughs> Once upon a time, 1860 was new. It's a good fresh. point, actually. <clears throat> That's funny you say that. I've never thought of that. Or use the, uh, the year the fort was built. Yes, but it is, it is 2022. And and we got to be careful what we talk about fort and, and settlers coming in and got to be a little yeah. careful there. Hey, Charm. that one. That's, yeah, <laughs> Charms. Charms, if you had a football club, Good point. what would you call it? I'm I'm a traditional kind of guy. Me, I'm old fashioned. You know, I love the FCs. I hate the Uniteds for obvious reasons. Um, you know, uh, I don't know. You know, footy prime is available team. for the right price. You're on CPL Free Primers works pretty good. Free Primers. <laughs> no, no. What, what would you call it? What, what's Mr. Genius over here? What would you say? What's your idea? I already had one. What was it? I'm not doing another one. <laughs> they got rid of that. They got rid of that name after the first year. <laughs> Jimmy's Jimmy's twitching over there. He's done. He's just just been laughing at me, aging. Yeah. It's uh, no. I, I agree. I like tradition. I like I like traditional names. I like simple yeah. names. I like using the city. I like FC. I think, you know, and, and, you know, when we talk about this, the word or sort of the, the term we're using is proper football club and, and everyone could define that differently. But I think, I think there is an opportunity, like a pure, and I got to be careful with a traditional name or, or traditional word, right? What is that? But I think authentic, proper football club. And just make it a football club. None of the bells and whistles. Don't throw a mountain in there. Don't throw a wave in there, an orca whale. Just just be traditional, authentic football club. And then and then grow organically. You know, speak to the supporters. And and that's kind of how we're we're seeing seeing this club. And I think it's a huge opportunity in that market to, to be that club. Could it possibly be ideas, Fraser? Yeah. Could it be Fraser Valley? Anything with that to sort of encompass the area as opposed to just Langley? Does that sound sexy though? Yeah. Like when you travel, when I'm, when, when I'm traveling in London, Fraser Valley football club, and then you got to explain where that is and, and the borders around Fraser Valley 
I mean, when you anyone mm-hmm. in lower mainland, you travel, you say Vancouver. And yep. um, you, clearly, you, you know which direction we're leaning. Um, yeah. And actually, you actually you, funny enough, there was a, I was reading through the debate on Twitter and uh, a lot of, lot of educated uh, uh, comments in, on Twitter. But, uh, but, but that's um, just Jimmy's account. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but no, uh, yeah, they're throwing names around. And, and funny enough, someone brought up actually Langley is not in the Fraser Valley. It's actually in the greater Vancouver regional district. So yeah, it's a tough one. Honestly, it's, it's a challenge, but uh, definitely want to be more of more of a traditional name for sure. Well, I'm it's with you. The whole, the whole global. Sorry, sorry, B, go ahead. Yeah. I was just going to say the same thing. I think we're echoing the same sentiment, like thinking long-term, right? I think about Vitoria Guimarães in Portugal, which is a, a big club in Portugal. No one knows where the hell they are. They're in, they're the second team in Porto. And I think if they had an opportunity of a do-over and thought about 80 years of a future, they'd probably put yep. the city you know, well, I mean, Jimmy was part of it day one, right, with this league, and and I'm still explaining Pacific Football Club. Where is that? Why'd you name it Pacific? You know, if you look yeah. on the table, if if you open the the, the newspapers, look online, it actually says Victoria. Uh, you know, on on half the leagues league standings, right? So I'd, I'm definitely leaning away from that that direction, but obviously, it's not fully my decision. League has some control over that. I'm sure it'll piss some people off in in Langley if we don't call it Langley. There's the neighboring city of Surrey, which is almost 600,000 people, which is essentially part of that area. You can't name it that, you, you know, you have to be inclusive. You can't be exclusive to a market. So I think going broader mm-hmm. and, and more traditional is definitely what I'd like to see. So, Well, maybe Vancouver United is a way to go. United, you bring all the suburban areas in together as one, you know, city would piss off those people for sure. Yeah, you can't do I city. I mean, we're in the suburbs, so definitely can't do city. Yeah. Is it an FC? Do we like Vancouver Football Club? I like Do we it. Like Vancouver United, right? Like mm-hmm. thinking more international type, and then and, and then it's about really what you do in those communities, right? How you're involved in in those communities versus you know naming it that name and having to focus directly on that community. So that's definitely how I'm thinking. York Nines, Jimmy Brennan. What were you saying? No, I was going to say I like Vancouver FC. I think that'd be a nice one. But Rob, you, you start up Pacific, you had wonderful success. Within three years, end up winning a championship. Um, when you look at that club, I think it was, for, for players and coaches, it was probably one of the best destinations to go to. Right, The, the setup, the stadium, it was, it was fantastic to play in. Now you've, you're building this club in Vancouver, which is exciting times. It's great to see. Down the line, do you see yourself eventually maybe investing in a, in a team in Europe? Or do you specifically want to stay in, in Canada? No, I mean, part of our strategy, once we, we shifted from, from focused on Pacific only to multi-club, multi-club ownership, that's definitely the trend in football right now. Um, I'm seeing right now, and Jimmy and, and Craig, you guys, you, you guys can speak to this, is, is the pathway for these Canadian players is still a challenge. The league is great. Is providing the opportunity for these young kids, but I'm still seeing the challenge out of the CPL. And no one in Canada has done a multi-club ownership model. Um, you know, again, even in the CPL, I've, and again, Jimmy, you can speak to this. You've got to call clubs. You've got to call scouts. Hey, check out this player. We took Lucas uh, McNaughton and Caden Chunk to TFC. That took, that took phone calls, calling GMs of MLS clubs saying, these guys are good enough. And, and, and you're seeing them start now for TFC. These kids are good enough, but they don't. They still don't have the pathway. So, 
if, if we can create a multi-club model where, where there's a nice market and we are looking at markets, um, we, we may or may not have a club under contract in, in Europe, a nice mid middle American league. You've got these, sorry, Europe, European league, you've got Austria, you've got Belgium, you got Holland, you got Scandinavia. There's those are nice leagues in my opinion for Canadians from the CPL to plant them there. And then from there, and, and as you, as you guys know, it's, you know, the market's open and I think their valuations go up once they're in Europe. So, um, <clears throat> For example, an Austrian league. So if I've got Pacific, we've got Vancouver. If we've got a club there in the offseason, we could send those players. And maybe after their contracts, we place them there. Under under our model, you can centralize scouting. You can centralize a lot of these the, the, the operation side of things. That def- definitely differentiates us in this country as a group. We can recruit better players. And and any young player, this, this is a group you want to be part of because we've got a direct pathway for those kids. So definitely thinking that um, we're diving into it right now. We're looking at multiple clubs um, for in the right markets. Definitely has to be in the yeah. right markets. Great idea. That's exciting. So it's very Red Bull six, five. I, I mean, you, you might be covering your, your own identity separate, but I mean, that's, that's what, what I hear when you speak like that. Yeah. I, yeah. I think there's a boutique version of that. And I, again, I still truly believe in this league. Obviously we're, we're continuing investing in it. I believe in the Canadian product, the Canadian players. I've always said that, but again, it's the pathway. And, and again, the, the CPL is great, but it's still a challenge to get out of the CPL right now. If we could provide that within our own group, within our own players, you have 25 players in Pacific, 20, 25 in Vancouver, that's 50 players. Now, if we, we've got a, we've got a, a platform in Europe that we could place them in, in, in the right league where it's, the level would be slightly higher. They can go there, challenge themselves. If they're successful there, then you're talking bigger transfer fees for us. So it's, it is a nice model. Honestly, everybody's doing it. And it you almost have to start looking at that. Otherwise, as a standalone club, it's very challenging in this in this in this global market. Yeah, Rob, you came from, you know, played years in Germany and uh, you can't beat the fan culture in, in Germany. Um, we saw actually... That yesterday, I thought with uh, uh, Frankfurt in uh, Camp Nou with some thirty thousand. I actually it was it was like a home game for Frankfurt. It was a big mistake by Barcelona. Apparently, they allocated five thousand, thirty thousand showed up, and they stopped selling tickets the day before because they're worried about even having forty thousand in there. It was just insane, and you you know how to create that, or you've seen it. Are you going to try to create that in the CPL as well? Because obviously fan culture and being, you know, feeling like it's something tangible to supporters is so important to, to community and soccer. And uh, how do you manage that in the CPL so far? hundred percent. No. I, and speaking of, you know, on, on, on my background and, and obviously you guys as well, being in Europe, <clears throat> it's a hundred years plus, right. Of, of building that culture and the identity in these clubs and what those clubs mean to those communities. We're, we're still too new in this country. Right. But it's, I, I, I see it. You're seeing little pockets. You're seeing Halifax. You've got a small little market here in Victoria and you're, you're creating this little fan supporter culture that's growing organically. And I think Canadians are starting to realize we've never obviously had our own league and, and TFC is doing a fantastic job. They have a great culture in, in their stadium. So I think I, there is a, I'm seeing it. There's a bit of an identity your football identity in this country that I'm seeing growing organically. Um, I was actually, I don't know if you know these guys, it's called Darby Magazine. I picked this up last last week. Really cool vibe, look and feel. And I'm, I'm saying there's, a, there's, there's an identity starting to happen in this country 
uh, around football and and it's our own identity it's it's the, it's the maple leaf it's it's these different communities across this country coming together representing your country obviously the national team is sort of the shiny star right now for these kids but we we as a cpl need to do better in our own communities to to grow that to support it but i I see it slow happening. And again, I mean, Europe was, was a hundred plus years to, to create these clubs. It's going to take time. I do see the MLS doing a fantastic job. These new, these new, these new MLS clubs, these new franchises like Austin, LAFC, these supporter cultures that they've created overnight is unbelievable. That model is really cool to watch. And I'm, I love watching the MLS right now. I'm just turning on these new franchises, Charlotte, 70,000 Atlanta. Mm-hmm. It's really cool. And that started from nothing. So I think it'd be done. Canadians are always a little bit more skeptical, but there's, you know, I think we're in a great time and, and we could definitely grow that, but it's our job as, as, as clubs to, to sort of support that and, uh, and help it grow organically. I think what MLS has realized too, is that rivalries are really important to build culture. And it's something we've got to really work on. I think in Canada as well, when you look at Pacific and Vancouver United, Vancouver FC, I mean, there's a natural rivalry there forget the ownership situation the fans don't really care i don't think is that something that you really put a high high price on nurturing that rivalry from the from the get-go 100 percent. i mean there's a natural rivalry anyways for vancouver island and and we've, we've lived here for three years my son plays on the local high performance team they hate the vancouver teams there there there's this bitterness already but from the island sort of small island mentality to the big city it that already exists and and i i can't wait to to sort of let let that happen truly in the clubs and again we're just we're just setting the clubs up because people ask well how does that work if you do it the coach the players they don't give a shit the fans they don't care right so so i think that's gonna that that's already that already exists and i think has there been ever a professional rivalry between vancouver and victoria i actually don't think so and you saw when the white caps played here this island was so proud that we beat the big bad vancouver club and uh, and that so that's going to happen naturally. I'm I'm excited to sort of uh, to let that progress naturally. Maybe the old Vancouver Barrage against the Victoria Shamrocks lacrosse. Yeah, yeah. that's probably it. Other than that, that's it. That's it. Yeah, other than that, no, it's, it's fantastic. I mean, it's just showing how the game is developing and growing here all, all the time. I really look forward to this as the CPL grows. Nine teams, right? I'll be now uh, with, with the new Vancouver area team. Um, it's getting better and better. And I think you alluded to it. The, the launch of the CPL, just because of the pandemic, it was the worst timing possible. No one saw that coming, obviously, but they, they've, they've fought their way through it. And I think that's a really good thing. And in, in, in that alone, I think emboldens fan bases too, saying, yeah, well, actually, these guys are behind us. They're a big part of this. And I think the future is really bright regarding no, that, I, that side I, of things. I absolutely agree with that. I think there was a lot of skepticism in this country. It's not going to last now those sort of naysayers, the um, you know the fact that we survived two years of a pandemic, we're still here and and now growing. I think that's going to that's going to shift the mentality in this country. I think the travel might be is obviously going to help as well, right? I mean, having two teams uh, so close together and on the west coast is going <clears> to <throat> absolutely. I mean, if you look right now, obviously Victoria, you got Vancouver. I believe Kelowna is is ready for a market pretty quickly here you'll have edmonton calgary saskatoon i mean that's a that's a strong west division and uh you know so absolutely that i I see you know when i'm looking at the future uh, sort of an east and a west for travel as well so that's definitely going to help 
quickly going back to the pathway there you mentioned, um, I find this interesting because John Herbman was mentioning this the last uh, qualifying window, how he, he wants to see more Canadian internationals playing overseas, playing in top European leagues. And I wasn't sure how Don Garber was going to react when he heard him, him say that. But where do you see MLS fitting in this? When, when you're talking about potentially establishing relationships or clubs in Europe, where does MLS fit into this pathway? Well, I, I mean, obviously, seeing the grow, growth of the MLS, the, the investors that are coming to the MLS, the, the MLS is, is now a mature league. I think it's a respected league. You go to Europe, everybody's interested in the MLS. Everyone's talking about it commercially. It's a monster. And, and we all know those, those investors that are paying $400 million for a franchise, they don't want to be a, a second-tier league. So I think, that it, honestly, that's only going to have the CPL with the CONCACAF Champions League that we're in, the two bids. Um, obviously playing against the three three MLS teams in the Canadian Championship, we're going to be there. And I think we fit perfectly actually underneath, underneath the MLS. And the MLS is starting to become a transfer league where they're paying decent, significant transfer fees. Why can't we be a league that we're just selling into the MLS? There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. I'm not. We're not going to try to be the MLS, right? We're not going to try to be the, 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 the English Premier League. We don't need to be. I think we can create our own little identity. And, uh, and, and from there, I think... Honestly, with the MLS growth, it's only gonna we're only gonna sort of grow with that naturally, just with the different competitions. And uh, they're gonna, I mean, again, I'm using the example Caden and, and Lucas. They're looking at us now, and we just needed a few of these players from the CPL. We, we we've known they're good enough to play there and have success, and it's gonna open up the doors for a lot of the players and hopefully the transfer market as well. And the perception, and we've talked about a lot about Canadian players. I think uh, there's got to be a bit of a swagger with some of the younger talent coming through uh, of just about what our national teams, women and men have done over these uh, last few years. And well, for the women's team, a, a good decade of success. So that uh, it's a difference for kids growing up than it was for us. Um, when we were coming from Canada, it was a, it was always, it wasn't a positive. That's for sure. No, it wasn't right. And, and we could talk about, you know, the disadvantage of having a Canadian passport and finally, Hopefully, and and we need. We're speaking about the national team, and it's great. I love it. It's it's shifting the mentality in this country, but we we're still not relevant internationally. If we go there and not get the results and dump out, it's not gonna it's not gonna be great from an international perspective. So we we still have a lot of work to do at the World Cup to get that respect. But within this country, obviously, it's shifted. I mean, all of us are sitting. You know, there's not a day that doesn't go by that someone comes up to me and is excited to talk about Canadian soccer. That's never happened. And just just the regular Joe, right, or the regular sports fan, it's relevant in this country finally, and it's, it's helping us. Oh, the national team. What about this Canadian Premier League, the, the local club here? I'm going to actually want to go to a game. So it, it's definitely helping the success. So we all sort of grow together, and uh, and we need to. We need to be – we all need to be together, even the three MLS teams, the the, C, the, the CPL, the three MLS teams, and the, and the Canadian Soccer Association. We need to be one collective team growing the game together because there's no point – one being in different silos. We got to be together to grow the game, and we're all going to win together on that one commercially and, and on, yeah, the, the fact that, on the field. So that the fact that you know people listen to our podcast each week is is a miracle to begin with, but uh, it shows perhaps that the uh, the fan base is getting bigger and uh, and far more sophisticated. Obviously, uh, listen, Rob. Thank you so much for this. Really enjoyed it. Good luck with everything. We, we'll talk to you again real soon, uh, especially once you get a name solidified um i think we threw out our opinions and uh, we expect you to follow suit let's let's do it let's have that debate let's have that twitter debate on on this podcast live twitter when i when we launch that name and uh it's a great idea we could we could defend it
Thanks, guys. Appreciate <laughs> it. Hold you Thank to that. Thanks a lot, Rob. That's, that's great. That is Thanks, Rob, Rob Friend. There, there's not going to be a nine on it. That's for sure. That's all I'm saying. So, <laughs> <laughs> it's available, though, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, you can take it. <laughs> no, that's, that's great. Thanks so much, mate. Yeah, good luck with everything, Thanks, and, and we'll chat soon. Cheers. Appreciate it, guys. That is Rob Friend. Um, all right, fellas. Um, really interesting stuff. And, um, you know, it just shows, I think, the, uh, the intellect and IQ of, of the football people in this country now. You know, people like Rob, who have got the experience from Europe. You guys as well, you know, I've drawn from that. And now we're seeing it kind of translate to, to the Canadian scene. Um, not much intellect or IQ in Burnley, I don't think. Oh. Given that this morning the big news was uh, Sean Deitch. I can't believe it's happened, actually. I never thought it would happen. He's been fired. Eight games left. Bro. In the relegation zone right now. But they're, they're just four points back of Everton. Um, it's still a fight that he's been in before and that he succeeded in before. Jimmy, what were your initial thoughts when you heard this? I, I was shocked. Um, look, Daichi, Daichi was my captain at Bristol City. I know the type of guy he is. Um, you know, he's, he's not a quitter. He, he, he'll fight for everything tooth and nail. And you can see that in his, his, uh, in his role as a gaffer at Burnley, just how hard he works and what he's done with a limited budget to that, to that club. Um. And you know every every kind of every season, I think all football fans end up having conversations with one another. And Burnley's always a team that goes, "Oh, that's that's gonna, they'll stay up." Daichi will do just enough to to keep them up. And then the time they did get relegated, they came straight straight back up again. So if I'm the ownership group there, mm-hmm. I'm looking, going, "Okay, this guy knows his club inside out. He's working on a, on a low budget. Um, he knows exactly how to how to survive." And if we do go down, he'll get us back up again. Why, why would they get rid of him right now? And what manager is going to come in to Burnley and make a difference? I mean, I don't, I don't care who they get right now. Nobody's going to make a difference or an impact uh, the same as what Sean Dyche would do. It's shocking. I wonder if there's something more to it than, uh, than just what we see uh, on the surface, whether there is a, a relationship issue between him and the ownership or something else, because it just doesn't make sense because they have been in this position before, which he's been there 10 years, six years in yep. the premier league, um, incredibly experienced. Uh, I think they've only had 21 million uh, to spend since 2017. I mean, this is a David Goliath situation every single year, but it just, for me, it, doesn't make sense. And I always pulled for Burnley because of him. Yeah. And uh, now they can fuck themselves. Yeah, yeah it's true, right? <laughs> I, I kind of want to see him go down now, right? Yeah, Because me too. what are they thinking? They're giving the guy no money, right, B? Like Craig mentioned no. there, no money. He, he gets it done year after year after year. He's not a quitter, like Jimmy said. So I, I can't see him walking away now because of, you know, eight games left. I can see, I can see him leaving in this summer. So maybe he wants something different, right? Or maybe after 10 years, it's long enough. I, but not eight games left when you're in the, in the thick of a relegation battle. No, no. I think Craig, you, I think you could be right. You know, I think you know something probably went on behind the scenes. Um, and you, if you look at uh, Daichi, the amount of work that he's done, maybe you just maybe you get to a point, and maybe he blew up and, and said, you know, enough's enough. I can't take this anymore. You know, every year I'm fighting, 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 and. Maybe needs a maybe needs a change. You just don't know. I mean, this is just speculation of, of what we're saying, but it's it it really is a, a funny situation to see him getting sacked with seven games left. I can't believe he would have lost the dressing room. No, I mean, I don't think 
efforts ever been an issue with the, with any of his team. But so, but then, but then, you know, we're looking at this from one perspective, right? Because we like Sean Dyche. The season by itself, forget what's happened in the past, right? Four wins this season. They've lost five or six games at the, the most important part of the season. I mean, it's not a good team, right? They're struggling. So if his name wasn't Sean Dyche, if his name was Ole Gunnar Solskjaer or anyone else, right, we wouldn't be defending his record, I don't think. But because it's Sean Dyche, do you think we're clouded by that somewhat, B? We're more protective of him because we love him for sure. And maybe his voice grinded on the management team and the ownership and they're just like, done with this guy. <laughs> See him out. Hey, but he's going to be great at one voice next season, guys. It's going to be great at watch like that. Yeah, yeah right. I thought that actually. Did you have a voice like that when you were played with him? Oh yeah, oh yeah. You you used to know when Daichi's were around. You could hear him a mile away, and he's got that voice. And was so deep and husky. I remember one time we were out. We had a we had a club function, right? And I'm a, I'm a young guy. I'm just uh, I'm the rookie, just breaking into the first team, getting a couple of games here and there, and I end up getting this tattoo. And I'm with with all the guys. We're in this this restaurant. We're all having a conversation, talking. And I'm standing beside Daichi, and Daichi sees this little Band-Aid on my arm. He's like, what's that? You know, and that, that voice. I said, God, Daichi. I said, I got a tattoo. And a couple of the, the young lads are buzzing, right? Because we all got him. And he's, like, he's like, that's not real. I went, no, Daichi, it, it is real. He goes, no, it's not. He takes his nail and goes right down the middle of the tattoo. And he's like, that is real. <laughs> I was like a cat on a hot tin roof. I was bouncing all over the place. <laughs> I just got his tattoo and he's scratching he all the scabs it. off it. Was he oh, was he a real, real presence? Is he a real presence? I mean, you mentioned the voice, he's he's larger than life in some ways, but when he walks into a room, he's one of those guys, he's like, okay, shit, here's Daichi. Oh yeah, yeah. Great banter as well. Banter came. Funny, funny man. Yeah, really is a he's a, he's a big presence, that's for sure. Even when he played, you know, he he was tough, tough man. What's that? Do you think so? Will it be lining up? I mean, I can see championship clubs oh. lining up for him, but who? What, can you, what, what level of club wants Sean Dyche? We all agree he's done an incredible job there. Watford, but does he want Watford? They, they they go through managers like we go through hot dinners for the money. It's a good good wage for a couple of years or mm-hmm. a couple of months. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think, look, I think there's there's. I mean, look, so a few of them have just got their managers and I'm probably disappointed, but. I could see a Leeds would probably have wanted them. Maybe Southampton, Norwich. These types of teams, I think, definitely would but, want But to. they all, like you said, they all, have, they all have managers. There aren't that many vacancies this offseason, right? Watford might get rid of Hodgson. Um, but apart from that, Everton, Everton could. Yeah, I was okay, going to so say. Everton, there's one for you. Okay, so say they, yep. they can Lampard. Say, you know what, we made a mistake. It was the wrong choice. He's gone. Do you think, obviously, I think Sean Dyche, personally, I think that would be the next step up for him and Everton would be great for him. But do you think Everton would go for a Sean Dyche? No. No. Not the way that they've operated. But if they are connect, more connected no. with the fans, I, and I, I could see, if it doesn't work out with Lampard, if they stay up, but they get rid of Lamps, I could absolutely see the fans pushing for Dyche or someone that's you know more... Mercy side, more. I mean, I know he's not from there, but you know what I mean. Like, just matches um, the people more than some of the managers that they've gone for before. Obviously, they've just been luxury chasing because they could afford it. They do the same with players. 
I'm just yeah. a bit relieved, guys. I got to be honest that it's Sean Deitch because when I woke up to this text from Charms and I thought, holy shit, Deitch got fired already? That's what I thought. <laughs> I'm like, God, I, I knew that, you know, it's going to be tough, tough in Sacramento. I went right on the internet. <laughs> did you Google Sean Deitch or did you Google Deitch though? Deitch. I was like, Danny DiCchio, Sacramento. And I couldn't find it anywhere. I'm like, well, I know it's a small club, but, uh, you know, Charms isn't usually wrong. It's, it's my fault, I guess, for spelling his name correctly in the text. <laughs> Oh, you yeah, did. But you, <laughs> yeah, but you know what it is? You spelt it that the way you, you spelt it correctly. But I heard it the way Wonger says Deech's name. He calls him like Dish or something, right? He and, does. And that's yeah, what he I does. read right away. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, I got it right away, Charm. Yeah, thanks, Jimmy. I was quite happy to see that Deech wasn't fired. Do you think if Deech was fired, though, would it, would would find out about it on the internet? <laughs> <laughs> No, it would be Craig. Craig's subscribed to all the USL channels, and he's he's right. getting all the updates for sure. And how does an assistant um, coach get fired? Like what? Five games into the season, what must each have done? Well, that was things. the thing. I wasn't worried about the performance on the field. I was worried about. <laughs> <laughs> he's probably showing up late to training because he's golfing, and he's like, "Oh, big night at the Kings game last night. Sorry, guys. <laughs> yeah, it's exactly. VIP life now. Right? Exactly. Probably bit one of his he's... own players in a five aside." Get their noses off. Yeah. Very quickly, uh, we should mention, just for Craig here, West Ham. Gets in. Bossing it in the Europa League. Great performance into the semifinals now. You I mean, guys, Craig, we are pretty excited about that. You guys talking about the Europa League and all that. Did you see, we, we talked about that with Rob, what went on there in Barcelona, how Eintracht Frankfurt bring tens of thousands of fans to Barcelona. It was amazing. West Ham, 5,000 allocation, fantastic. I, I was worried about West Ham. I, I thought uh, uh, Leon played really well in that first leg and played a great football away from home and good result taking it back home. I was I was concerned, but it was a uh, – and then the first half hour, Leon was, was played well, and then just out of the blue, West Ham scores. And and then from there, it was uh, it was decent. It was a, it's a good week of internet of, – uh, of European football, I thought the whole Champions League, the Europa League, you know, some great stories. Rangers going through to the semifinals. I mean, that's that's amazing. I don't mm-hmm. see them getting past Leipzig, but man, could you imagine West Ham against Glasgow Rangers in the in Seville? Final? Right? Is it Seville? I think this is where the uh, the finalists watch yeah. out. Seville. I don't think Seville <laughs> want that, do they? They better close that city right down. <laughs> that would be that would not be good. No, Jesus. I think it was Rangers were in the UEFA Cup final against Andre Arshavin and Zenit, and that was in Manchester. And they mm-hmm. tore the city to shreds, the two of them. Yeah. I can imagine. But uh, hey, Craig, are we going to do a footy prime trip to Sevilla or what? Hey, don't count your uh, your chicken. Okay. Seriously, <laughs> got to get through first there, B. Got to get through the first there. Yeah, Is this I, when you're a West Ham fan? Any team goes into Barcelona and plays like that, there's got to be some concern, right? Even though if you're going to take a pick, Frankfurt, I think they're middle of the table, you know, five, yeah. you know, one yeah. ten, lost ten, drawn six, or something, you know, something like that. So, I, I can't if you get the, 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 that would be the one. You, yeah, Germany. I, I can't get Germany. I don't understand Germany. The football. I don't know what's good, what's not. I know Bayern's okay, but they've won what? It'd be ten straight. Bundesliga's right. This ten straight—that's not good for anyone. I don't think. 
even Bayern Munich, they're soft now. Someone, I, I read an article about this and they called them, it's, it's softened them up. It's softened Bayern up their Bundesliga dominance. So when they play against teams like Villarreal, the, these middling European teams with great systems in place, they just can't handle it. And, and that's what happened. I think, I think the exciting seen... thing about... Go ahead. Oh, I think we've seen what football means to communities and areas too, um, that it's not about always winning. I mean, if you're a supporter of West Ham for 40 years, you know, they're, but they mm-hmm. still support them. Frank, you know, they didn't have a chance of winning the league, but look at that fan culture they created. You know, you're part of a community and they do such a good job, the German clubs, and I think better than anybody else. But that's the same thing with West Ham. All the fans you see on Twitter and ones at the game and they're putting out information and blah, blah, blah. It's just, it's just, they, they feel part of a, of a community. There's certain clubs that are meant to win, right? That, that want to win. It's in their DNA. It's win, 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 win. And others know where they are in, in the league, right? And know, that some are at their mm-hmm. peak. They're not going to go any further because they don't have the finances. They can't compete with certain teams. So if you look, when was the last time Frankfurt played Barcelona? Probably never. So that, that's their cup final, right? That's why the fans, the yeah. fans are probably going, we'll ne- we might not, never get to play Barcelona in Camp Nou again for another 50 years. So we're going. We're going. Where it's, if it's a, a Man City or if it's a Liverpool or all the Bayern, all these teams, they... They're so used to playing the big big clubs all the time, but for these for these smaller clubs, it's cup finals. Like these these are massive games for the club. I love those stories, and I love you know when they work out. Like what a you know th- those Eintracht fans will talk about that for thirty years for the rest of their lives that they went thirty thousand strong to Camp Nou and got that result that they needed. You know, yeah. just getting there was was a win for probably a lot of those people. That's how I felt going to Eintracht. see Portugal play France. Yeah. Oh, so West Ham, are the West Ham fans, if they're honest with themselves, disappointed that Barcelona didn't get through? Go tell me West Ham would rather play Barcelona, their fans, that then. Oh, yes, in a way. I mean, oh, uh, well, could, could you imagine? I mean, it would be just, yeah, it'd be amazing, amazing. But at the same time, you look at those four teams that are left, and they're all thinking the same thing. But you couldn't <laughs> add a European title. I mean, let's be honest. Yeah, that's true. Leipzig can't believe their luck. And that's, and that's no disrespect to West Ham and Eintracht Rangers, mm-hmm. but the way that club's been built from, from day one, this is what, this is the day they've been waiting for. We can finally win something. We've thrown so mm-hmm. much money into that club that now we can maybe win something and they might not win anything, but they're, I would think they're probably the favorites now. Would you say? Yeah. I would give them a- them and West Ham. Yeah. It's yeah. close. How great would it be to see David Moyes, though, lift lift the championship? I would love to see that. And the same year that United are just so awful. It's like, man. That he wins a European title. Yeah. Imagine that. It'd be great. It'd be great. Would, that be a, would that be a first for West Ham? Intertoto well, Cup. Everybody finger, forgets the Intertoto <laughs> Cup, Jimmy. <laughs> the in Inter-Toto 1999. Cup. <laughs> it, that was such a big tournament, you know. It was massive. Yeah. Massive. That there was actually three winners that, every year. <laughs> <laughs> I love those stories. There was us and Juve, um, and I can't remember the third. Yeah, there's three Intertoto Cup winners. (laughs) Jesus, that's so weird. By the way, B's wearing, is that a Juve hat you're wearing, B? 
It is a Juve hat. Jesus yeah. Christ. When would you change with the wind, don't you? No. It was Ronaldo was there and there was a I had a partnership with a hat company and they sent a few ones and this is quite subtle this, so I'm surprised you even picked it up. It's it just a great looks, it's a really good hat. I like the hat. It's, it's a good looking hat, but you should you. never wear it. I look like a DJ. It's I'm just it's a bit more no. fashionable, you know. Oh, is it, you look like you having a bad hair day? Surprisingly, yes, it does happen to me sometimes. Me too. You wouldn't envy me, I tell you. Wouldn't envy me. <laughs> all right, boys. Well, listen, it's, uh, it feels like a Saturday today, doesn't it? Because there's all this football going on in the league championship and stuff, but it's uh, it's a day off, but it's I actually know. Friday. So I'll let you guys get back to your uh, your families and your Easter egg hunting and your crucifixions or whatever else you're doing. <laughs> He's just dead air there. Wow. Um, but thank you very much. Rob Friend was great. Thank you, Rob. We appreciate it. And uh, we look forward to the he naming of the new team, I'm sure. We may have helped just a little bit in 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 the direction they're going in. There's a few there's a few intelligent people in football, hey Jimmy. Oh, absolutely, there is. But you've you've got to give credit to to Rob, Dean, and, and Josh for, for what they did out in Vancouver, uh, in Victoria. Uh, the setup there is amazing. Winning a championship after three years, and and now having the opportunity to to build a club in in Vancouver. Yeah, um, and I hope it continues, and I hope they have uh, great success. Just they just got to make sure that the clown doesn't go over out to the west coast. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Quick thing about that uh, that stadium, Craig. You know, you mentioned the culture, and like, there's not too many moments in Canadian sports where I've thought, seen that something happen, and thought, "Damn, I really wish I was there. I really wish I was in that ground that night," as opposed to on TV. And when they beat the Whitecaps. That ground looked amazing. And they've That's had many nights that look like that. It's, yeah. you know, the way we talk about those magical FA Cup nights and the small ground and the big upset, like that's what that truly felt like in the first time in this country that I'd yeah. seen that. And so I hope they have many yeah. more nights, you know, like that and can do that yeah. in Langley. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's um, everyone enjoy the, uh, the yeah, crazy delay is amazing on this show today because <laughs> there's going to be a three second delay. <laughs> Craig and the 10 minute goodbyes as well. It's not your fault. It's not your fault, Craig. It's the internet, man. It's just yeah, it's morning Roger's internets fault. with you in your building. Are tough. I got nothing to do. Oh, I got Alex McKechnie phoning. Oh, well, <laughs> can't put him on. Put him on. Why not? All right. Listen, we're out of time. Um, thanks, everyone. We'll be back on Sunday night slash Monday morning. A big weekend of football to talk about, including. Man City, Liverpool, part three, three, right? And there'll be a, a fourth maybe as well coming up. All right. Cheers. Players. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. 
quince.com slash style. 